great job. Okay. Did you want a New Year's message or do you want something else? Give you a New Year's message and something else as well. Okay, we're looking at Second Chronicles, that same passage that Bryden read for us this morning. Second Chronicles, chapter five. We'll read from verses one to seven just to start us off this morning. As we continue, believe it or not, the series on the heart that I've been preaching on, and I think it fits quite well with the beginning of a new year, particular one. So we'll see. See here we go. Second Chronicles, chapter five. Verse 1. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribe the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the Ark and they brought up the Ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle these did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told for nor numbered for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place to the, to the oracle of the house into the most holy place even under the wings of the cherubims. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for your precious word and we thank you for this time that we can look into it and to be taught and fed from it. And we pray for your blessing upon us now as we seek to learn more of you and to grow in your grace. And we pray for your blessings upon us, Lord, that you'd be glorified in our midst today and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as the world enters into a new year and puts the past one behind them, there are many plans and goals and resolutions that have been set, no doubt. Many people have set their hearts on trying to achieve one thing or another in this coming year, to increase in those things that they love and they want more of, and to decrease or hopefully put aside those things that they don't want and despise. As believers, we may also set ourselves some goals for the new year, looking at our lives, and maybe we have determined we are going to be more faithful in our Bible reading, maybe more faithful in prayer, maybe more faithful in giving, or more faithful in being a church, and a whole range of different things. You can, you can look at your life and say, no, I can do better at that, and I'd like to do better. We may set ourselves a number of different goals and resolutions, but the deepest and most important resolution we can make as we come into this uh, new year and we meet together on this first day is to grow in the love and the grace of our Saviour. To be more like Him. To draw closer to Him. And in doing that, and as we draw closer to Him and as we grow more like Him, we will find ourselves serving Him more faithfully. That will come as a natural byproduct of being closer to Him. The more you love Him, the closer you are to Him, 
the more you understand him, the more you'll like him, the more you, you will be like him. And so if you understand the, the life of our Savior, he lived a life of perfect service to the Father. He did exactly those things which the Father called him to do. He said exactly the words that the Father told him to say. He fulfilled his mission perfectly. And that is our desire, isn't it not? If we are close to the Lord, then your desire is to fulfill God's calling in your life, whatever that may be. And it's going to be different for every one of us because God has put us in different positions. We have different strengths. We also have different weaknesses. But God has equipped us to fulfill something within our lives, maybe multiple things, in a way that only you and I can do. Last week, I challenged us to keep our hearts prepared and if you remember that word that i used of preparation of the heart not just preparing our hearts to receive him because that's what happens when you're saved um, when you receive christ into your heart but to prepare our hearts when we are saved when he's already in there to have more and more of him to prepare our hearts each and every day of our lives and we looked at this through the preparation that King David made for the temple. If you remember, David wasn't allowed to build the first temple. It was only Solomon, his son, that could. And though he wasn't allowed to build the first the temple, uh, his heart wanted it. It didn't stop him from prepare, uh, preparing for it. And so he made all these things and gave all these things in preparation for the time when his son was old enough to build the actual temple. So he set the foundation for it. He made preparation for it. And I liken that to preparing our hearts for the Lord. And I looked at seven ways through that prayer that he prayed and through the things that he did with his people that was a way for us to prepare our hearts to have more of Christ in our lives. So if you, if you haven't heard that sermon, that's a good foundation for this sermon. Okay. That'll give you seven ways to prepare your heart for the Savior. So I also compared that because it was Christmas Day, I also compared it to the, the world and how it wasn't prepared for the coming of the Savior, but how few a few people were prepared. And we looked at the wise men. We looked at the, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary. We looked at those people that were, were prepared for his coming and how they were prepared and how that lined up with king david's uh, prayer as well i likened the temple built by solomon to our hearts and that's what i'm continuing with today okay so please keep that at the back of your mind that the temple becomes a picture of our own hearts where christ comes in and as we look at now the building of the temple we're going to see the ark of the covenant which is the presence the very presence of god going into the most holy place that is a picture of us, what happens to us when we are saved. So Solomon has finished building the temple here in this particular passage in chapter 5. And just as we have started a new chapter today in a new year, Israel was starting a new chapter in their life. You see, they'd moved to a different phase. And so you look at verse 1 with me. It says, thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated, the things that he had prepared. And the silver, 
and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. So Solomon had completed the work of building a temple and all those things that had been prepared by his father, he brought them into the temple. You see, there was a whole lot of things to do in the temple. There was work to be done by the priests. Years in the making and many more years in the planning and preparation had all come to this point, this inauguration, this special day when Israel now had its first temple dedicated to God. This was like a turning point in the nation. God Almighty had a permanent dwelling place. And if you understand what was before, you'll understand that instead of having a temple, they had a tent. Okay, The same tent that they, they left uh, Egypt with. Or, or after, they, uh, after they left Egypt, God told them to put it together. So from the wilderness, they had that tent, which I'd no doubt fixed up over the years and renovated and done, but essentially was a tent, and that was called the tabernacle. So there was much reason to rejoice. And we see that in verse 2 and 3. It says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant, of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. So, as I've said, the ark represents the very presence of God and its entry into its resting place, which the Bible calls the Holy of Holies. Now, you know anything about the temple and the tabernacle, which are like a picture of each other, which are essentially the same, there are essentially three parts to those structures. The outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies. Okay, So three parts. And that ark was brought into that most holy place, the inner sanctum, the place where God's presence would reside. And it was taken from its place where it was before to this particular place and there was a great feast there was a great cele celebration this was a momentous occasion uh, they had uh, they had built one of the um, greatest structures the world has ever seen there was much celebration and I suppose uh, reflects a bit of the celebration that the angels rejoice in when one sinner repents and turns to God the Bible tells us that there is much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents but what i'd like for us to do as we look at this particular momentous occasion this turning point in israel's history what i'd like us to focus on is now the role of the priests and the levites okay because they are mentioned in multiple places here because if we understand what they were called to do we will better understand what we have been called to do and understand our own services to the Lord because look at verses 4 to 6 with me it says and all the elders of Israel came and you'll notice the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation which is that tent they brought the whole tent as well and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle there, these did the priests and the Levites bring up. 
also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark to sacrifice sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. So, as I said, last week was about preparing your heart for the Lord. This week now is going to be serving the Lord. Okay, The, the, the thing has been built, the temple has been built. Now what do the people do? What do these priests and Levites do? But what a privileged position they actually had, these Levites. The Levites had this amazingly uh, privileged position. It was their responsibility to carry the ark, the tabernacle also, which was that, that place where the ark was kept, including all the items that were used in it, which were done in the, which they made in the wilderness and they continued to use throughout all these years after they had entered into the promised land. While the tabernacle was on the move, they were responsible whenever they moved around uh, the wilderness for those 40 years, it was their job to pack the whole thing up, to, to get it on their shoulders and to, and to, and to move it uh, down to the next place and then to assemble the whole thing again. And this they continued until this resting place this final uh, temple was now built and their service would no longer be required to do that moving is this getting too cold for people it is there's no's and yeses okay all right we've got to take a vote here or something or no okay all right we'll just leave it for a little bit longer all right so turn with me to first chronicles chapter 23 first chronicles 23 verse 25 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 25 and 26. Now you're going to notice something interesting here. For it says, For David said, The Lord God of Israel hath given rest unto his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also unto the Levites, he's given rest to the Levites, they shall no more carry the tabernacle, nor any vessels of it for the service thereof. Why? Because you had a house. A permanent place for it now they didn't have to pack up this thing and, and move it around anymore they didn't have to move around things everything was now placed in a permanent thing uh, and I suppose that would have been a, a bit of a relief for them as well um, we have the blessing of being in this particular place but for those of you who started with us a bit from the beginning you'll know what it's like setting up a church every Sunday morning and then packing it up every Sunday as well and then making sure that everything's uh, you know in the right place and it takes a fair amount of work uh, and but when we, we got this place we were given rest <laughs> from having to do that and it has been a restful thing you know we have to keep it clean obviously and keep it organized but uh, there is quite a difference between having to set up and pack up every week compared to cleaning keeping something clean okay and this is what David's saying essentially here the Levites were now given rest because it was their job to take care of that tabernacle and to move it whenever it was needed to be moved and all those things that, that went along with the job that they did. But let's see uh, where, the, jo where the, uh, the Lord gave them this job in the first place. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. 
so Deuteronomy, Israel has um, been uh, freed from Egyptian bondage and they're now, they've, they've arrived, they've, uh, they've come to Mount Sinai, God's given them all these uh, laws and it says in Deuteronomy 10.8, at that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him and to bless his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord, in his in, the Lord is his inheritance according as the Lord thy God promised him. So, for those of you who know, Israel had 12 tribes, okay? And Levi was one of those tribes. He was one of the, the original 12 sons of Jacob. And God had now chosen that particular line, that tribe, to serve him in this particular way. And it was to, as if you look here, to bear the Ark of the Covenant. So they carried it around. It was their job to carry it around all those years. And it was also their job to minister to the Lord, which means they were his priests. They were his priests. They were called to serve him. So if you understand how this works, they weren't given land like, like their brethren. So when they entered into the promised land, they weren't given a portion of land like everyone else. Yes, they were given places to live in the cities. But their job was not to inherit the land, but to serve God. So he became their inheritance. And their jobs were to directly serve him for all their generations. The Levites, if you want to compare them to something we have today, were essentially the public servants of the whole nation because Israel was a nation so they were the public servants of the nation they were a 12th part of the whole nation that had been set aside to serve everyone else because it wasn't just carrying the ark and setting up the tabernacle that they did and offering sacrifices they did a whole lot more which we're going to look at today so who were they well the Levites as I've said were one tribe of that particular tribe you had the priests, okay? So the priests were a part of the, the, the line of Levi or the Levites. So the priests of Israel were a group of qualified men from that tribe and that tribe alone who had responsibility over aspects of temple, the tabernacle, of worship. So let's get it straight. The priests were all Levites, but not all Levites were priests. The priests were a part of the Levites. So, and God gave specific commands for those of you who love reading Leviticus um, and who always get stuck at Leviticus, um, that was for the priests, for them to understand what they were to do in their public service. Okay? So, they were the ones who performed animal sacrifices, they were the ones who glorified God in the temple, they were the ones who carried the ark, they were the ones who set up the tabernacle and put it down. And they did a number of other things which you're going to look at at the moment. So they were responsible for bringing the Ark of the Covenant around. And as we've seen now, once a temple was built and, and there was a place for that Ark to stay, they were the ones who would bring it into that place. So set, going back to Second Chronicles 5.7, it says, And the priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place. Notice it says it's the most holy place. That is the inner 
place, okay? Even under the wings of the cherubim. So, the Levitical clan, the Levitical tribe, the tribe of Levi pictures us. It pictures believers. And you, you might say, well, how does it picture us? We're going to find out in a moment. Essentially, though, the Bible refers to believers now bring, being priests. Every believer is a priest. There is no more Levitical. That's why I don't wear a collar up here. Okay. There are no priests anymore that are distinct from everyone else. The Bible actually says every believer, every person who has been saved by Jesus Christ is now a priest. Now, we don't need you to all wear collars. Okay, that would be a bit funny. But there is no more specific priesthood. Why is there no more specific priesthood? Because, one, we don't need people making sacrifices on our behalf. The sacrifices are now complete in Christ. And the other thing is that we can all go to God and to pray to him directly. We don't need someone to represent us to God. We can go to God directly because we are his children. Okay. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, just to show you a couple of passages that, that show us that we are now priests and why we should be looking at the priests in the Old Testament to give us an idea of what we have been called to do as well. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen now go to the end of revelation chapter 20 and look at what it says in verse 5 and 6 there But the rest of the dead, Revelation 25, 20, sorry, verse 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There is a very important principle to understand that every believer will be part of that first resurrection and every believer is made holy before God set apart for his service just like the Levites were they were set apart to serve God and they served God by serving God and actually serving um, their fellow uh, Israelite as well that's why we don't have uh, we don't have priests as I've said and we are separate from this is what makes Baptist churches different to denominations such as orthodox churches lutheran churches catholic churches and so on we don't have priests i am not a priest in fact i am a priest but you're all priests okay so you can all go before the throne of god and and uh, and bring your petitions directly to him it's important to understand our position before god in this world because if we understand our position we're more likely to live up to it than if we don't understand it at all and this, gener and this generation, as the priests of God, Levites and the priests were servants of the Most High God. 
and we should recognize ourselves the same way we are now the servants of the most high god and when you look at the aspects of the priests that they were meant to be ceremonially clean all the time same with us and christ keeps us ceremonially clean all the time they wore they wore white linen okay guess what we've been clothed with the righteousness of christ which is white okay they were called to serve him daily from morning till night it was their life it's what they identified as and it's what we should identify as as well they lived a life of service to him and for his people so as we enter into 2023 it's good to have our hearts prepared to serve him and to recognize what we should be doing for him so go back to first chronicles chapter 23 verse 1 first chronicles 23 verse 1 we're going to look at just a few aspects of uh of our service to the lord based on what the priests were doing Now, I want you to pay closer attention to this passage because it's going to describe for us what the Levites, what specific jobs they were doing. It says there in verse 1, So when David was old and full of days, he made Solomon his son king over Israel. And he gathered together all the princes of Israel with the priests and the Levites. There you are. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and upward, and their number by their poles, man by man, was 38,000. It's a decent number. 38,000 priests they had. 38,000 Levites, uh, that I should say. Of which, now it's going to break them down for us. What were their main jobs? 20 and 4,000 were set forward to work of the house of the Lord. And 6,000 were officers and judges. Moreover, 4,000 were porters. And 4,000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. Now, I want you to look at these, a few of these aspects here. So, it says there the first, the greatest number were set for the work of the house of the Lord. That was to, to prepare it, to build it, to serve in it. They were also builders and tradesmen by the looks of it. Their hand was meant to be in that specific work. They were responsible to put the effort in to make sure that the this temple would be the most beautiful thing that could ever be made okay and isn't that true for all of us the lord lives within us individually but also collectively so when we talk about the temple of the lord being in us yes he dwells within me he dwells within you if you've received him as your savior but when we are together we are the temple of the lord so God sees us collectively as the church and the temple. And so it's our call to build. It's our call to, to be part of this building and to make sure that we understand how responsible we are for it. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Since the Lord lives within us, individually and collectively we are called to build build that which represents the lord in our lives to the world around us okay 
So just as the temple was a, a, a physical manifestation of where God dwelt, your life and my life is a physical manifestation of where God lives. And its outward appearance should reflect what's coming or what, is, or what exists on the inside. So it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.9, For we are laborers together with God. Okay? Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, this is the Apostle Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire sh uh, shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So every man is called to build. The question is what materials we are building with. Are we building with um, gold, uh, gold, silver, precious stones? Okay, which is what the, was laid in the temple, if you remember, which is the things they used to, to, to build the temple. Or are we building with wood, hay and stubble? Because when fire is applied to those things, there's one lot that's going to go up in flames and be no more. And there's the other one that's going to be even more refined. Okay, So we have been called to be builders. We are God's temple. You'll notice it says at the beginning, it says ye are God's building. Ye means all of ye, all of you. Okay, We together are God's building. And now Paul says he was a, a guy who helped laid the foundation. And the foundation is Christ. And there's others who keep building on it. And everyone's called to build. So from that perspective, we are all builders. Just like these original uh, Levites were. So that's one number one. How do you serve the Lord? You build. You build upon what you have. Now, if you're looking at 2023... You have a foundation, most of you, in your life, don't you? You have a foundation of God's word. You have a foundation of your salvation. You have a foundation of his presence in your life and the Holy Spirit in your heart. You have many things already laid for you. You don't have to lay the foundation again, okay? But build on that. Build, keep on building up. Because without the effort, it doesn't get built, okay? And what you build in your life is going to affect what other people how other people connect with you. If you're there not building anything and someone else is trying to build their best, you're going to distract them from their work and actually bring them down. So build in a way that actually builds not just yourself, but the people around you. Make that your commitment for this year. I think it's a great place to start. To serve the Lord by building, which means make your life more holy than what it is now. And then you'll notice it says that there were officers. Now, where have we got that? In verse 4, and 6,000 were officers and judges. So what's an officer? Well, an officer was an important person. Generally, they were scribes and they were officials. So people who had a certain ability to be able to write and copy the word of God and also 
with the, with the understanding of the Word of God to be able to apply it. Okay? So in Jesus' time, you'll notice that the word scribes are used quite often. And sometimes these guys are, are spoken of in very negative ways because even though the people looked up to them, they were not teaching them the right thing. But the idea of a scribe is someone whose job it was to be able to copy the word of God and who they would write letters and do other things as well. But their main job was to copy the word of God. And in copying the word of God, they were the ones who often knew the word of God the best. Because when you're continually copying the thing down, you're going over it. So people looked up to them in their understanding to learn from them. So they became in essence authorities in the word of god because of their ability to be able to write whereas not everyone could necessarily write so my question to you this morning and my challenge to us is that we also need to understand that we have an awesome responsibility we are the ambassadors of god to this world the bible says the ambassadors of god to this world the ambassadors of heaven to this world and we've been called to be knowledgeable in the things of god we are not fools and we are not meant to be ignorant. We are meant to know the word of God like the scribes did. We are meant to continually go over it. And when people ask us a question, we are the ones who are meant to be able to give an answer. Because if we can't give an answer for the things and the, and the, the, and the, the hopes that, that they see in us, as, as the Apostle Peter says, who is going to give them an answer? We are few in number. We aren't, we aren't great in number. We need to understand that there are few who have been born again and there are fewer still who actually take up their responsibility to be the ambassadors God has called to be. So we have a huge responsibility. We've been called to know the word of God, to live the word of God and to be the teachers of the word of God to the world around us. We have been called to call others to repentance, to help those who are struggling with sin. We have been given amazing authority that the world does not have. You and I have this amazing authority to be able to come before the throne of the God of this universe to bring our petitions and requests to him. The world does not have that. So we can pray for them. We can pray on their behalf. Okay? We have been called to be the intercessors of this world. We can pray on their behalf and they can see the grace of God when he answers our prayers. And so then it says that there are judges. So it says that there are, so we've looked at the, the, those who were set forward for the work of the house of the Lord. 6,000 uh, were officers and judges. Well, what's a judge? A judge can hear a trial. A judge has the maturity to be able to listen to something and work out what's right and what's wrong and to come up with some sort of a verdict. And we've been called, the Bible says, to judge righteously. Jesus tells us in John 7, 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So it's not that we are not called to judge. We are called to judge righteously and to know how to judge properly. And so we are all judges from that respect. We are called to first judge ourselves we are called to judge within the church, the Bible says. We are also called to judge whether something is true or whether something is false. And we have the perfect book to judge those things by. It's the word of God. But we've also called to be merciful judges when it comes to judging people who are on the outside. 
people who are struggling, people who don't know the Lord. Because we need to understand and be very mindful of the fact that God, the righteous judge, was very merciful towards us. So when it comes time to judging your brothers for the mistakes and the sins they make against you, when it comes to, to judging others who are outside of this church, we should always judge very, very mercifully. Because God is always merciful with us. And that's the type of judgment he has called us to make. So then it says, in verse 5, it said, Moreover, 4,000 were porters. Porters. Um, hotels have porters, don't they? What do porters do? Well, essentially, they're doorkeepers. They're doorkeepers. They can be, cl they can be cleaning. They can be running errands and those types of things. A porter was a person who was, might be standing at the door to let people in. Maybe someone who was there maybe to make sure that other people didn't get in. Okay? Um, a doorkeeper was to make sure that things were done in order. And there were things, the people who would run around, people who would actually clean, as I said, to clean, keep things clean. Um, they were the security guards of the actual temple. They were responsible to make the temple was running in order. And all the things that were meant to be done in the background were being done. They were there, there to make sure that the temple was being cleaned and kept clean. And isn't it the same we're called to do in our lives? The Bible says that we are the gatekeepers for our own lives and also to help the gatekeeping with other things going on. When I preach the word of God, and I've repeated this many times over the years, your job is not just to swallow everything I tell you. Because if you, if you did, you'd be no different to everyone who's just going to any other church out there and doesn't bother to check what's going on. Because ultimately, if I'm teaching you lies and you're just swallowing the lies, just simply saying, well, Pastor Frank knows what he's talking about, so I'm just going to listen to what he says. No, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing what the Bereans were doing. And the, the Bible calls them noble because they checked to make sure that everything was that was being said was true. Because if I'm teaching you falsehoods up here, okay, if you're swallowing them, you're going to bear the consequences. Now I'll bear the consequences of teaching false doctrine and God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deal lightly with people who teach false doctrine, but you bear the consequences of, of swallowing a lie and then going off and, and living it. So we're called to make sure that there are certain things that stay out, like false doctrine. There are certain things that stay out, like division, hatred, all those types of things that don't belong in a church and in God's family. And there are certain things you let in, okay? Certain things you want more of, okay? And that's what we are called to do. We are called to make sure that the church is clean, which means, first of all, that we are clean before God. And we make sure that we help encourage others to live clean lives before the Lord, to live lives that are holy before the Lord. The next thing it says is that there were 4,000 praised the Lord with instruments. See, this is a special place for musicians. People who praise God. Actually, turn to Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, chapter five, with me for a moment, because this was a big part of the temple service and worship. 
Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. It says, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them, of Asaph and Heman and Jedithan, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came, it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister, that, that is to serve, by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Isn't that like amazing? Can you imagine if you were there? Like I, can, I, can, I can try and picture that while they're all praising God. All of a sudden this smoke fills up the whole temple. And the priest can't, even, can't see. They, but that's the, the holiness and the presence of God among them as they're praising God. It's a beautiful thing. Praising God together is a beautiful thing. And you notice it says that they lifted up their voices and, and played all these instruments with one, as one, as one sound. And that's, and that's what we've been called to do. We've been called to sing together, to praise God together and make one sound, a joyful noise to the Lord saying that he is good, his mercy endures forever. That's what we're, our, our hymns are all about. We're declaring that God is good all of our praises to him and that his mercy does endure forever now psalm 132 verse 9 says let thy priest be clothed with righteousness and let thy saints shout for joy it's a good thing to sing it's a beautiful thing to sing and we can sing together and we can sing alone as well so it's not just together we've been called to sing we've been called to actually sing to ourselves so Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we're called to be people who love singing. You may not sing very well. I may not sing very well. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because whatever joyful noise you make to the Lord, the Lord accepts. And he is glorified through it. And finally, we're looking at the priests. So turn to 1 Chronicles 23. 1 Chronicles 23, and look at verse 27 to 32. Because the priests had to serve. The priests were there to, to work in the temple. Okay, That was their job. And so in 1 Chronicles 23, verse 27... It says, For by the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above, because their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord in the courts and in the chambers and in the purifying of all holy things and the work of the service of the house of God, both for the showbread 
and for the fine flour for meat offering and for the unleavened cakes and for that which is baked in the pan and for that which is fried and for all manner of measure and size and to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord and likewise at even, which means in the evening, and to offer all burnt sacrifices unto the Lord in the Sabbaths, in the new moons, and in the set feasts by number, according to the older order commanded unto them, continually before the Lord, verse 32, and that they should keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the charge of the holy place, and the charge of the sons of Aaron their brethren, in the service of the house of the Lord. Their job was to serve in the house of the Lord. And they did that in a number of different ways. They did that by preparing food, by preparing showbread, by preparing sacrifices, by doing the actual sacrifices to make sure that all the utensils were, were cleaned and, and prepared and made sure that they were in the right place at the right time. They were, they were called to serve God and praise God morning and night. They were there to teach the people. They were there to do a whole range of different things in the temple of God and what a picture that is of us today there were plenty of precious things that were in the temple weren't there David had given gold and silver and these beautiful utensils that they would use to to serve to serve God and to offer sacrifices but isn't that our job too our job is to take care of the precious things that God has given into our possession you and I have many many precious things and we do a disservice to god when we don't appreciate what we have already when we focus on those things that we don't have we forget about the things that we do and god has given us many many precious promises he's given us many many precious possessions you are each other's possession now from the point of view that you have been called to take care of each other. You've been called to love one another. We have the word of God in our hands. What a precious thing to have. Because there are many generations in this world that didn't have it. We have this book, this amazing book in our hands and we should treasure it. We're called to take care of it. We're called to take care of the, the truths that we've been given. Of the gospel that has saved our souls. We've been called, as the priest did, to serve him every day of our lives. And look where they served him in the temples. So serve him from your heart. Serve him from that place where he exists. Serve him in your heart. We are called to, to glorify him every day of our lives. So whether it's in your personal prayer time, whether it's in your daily devotions, whether it's in your care of others, whether it's in your service in the church, whether it's you feeding other people with the word of God, whether it's giving them Jesus through the gospel, which is the bread of life, whether it's you living a life of integrity, where your life, your words match what you say you believe, we've been called to serve and to serve faithfully. And we've been called to praise him continually in our lives because he deserves it always with our words, with our actions, with our intentions, with our very thoughts, the Bible says we are to keep our very thoughts and every imagination under the obedience to Christ. And what are we called to sacrifice? Well, Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Not a dead one, 
a living one, one that serves daily, one that's given to him daily. It says we are a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your and mine reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So my question to you today is we are in the first day of 2023. Are you ready to serve him in this year? Are you ready to serve him? Will you commit yourself to serve him fully this year? Do you see yourself the way God sees you as his representative on this earth, as his priest to the people of this world, as someone who has been called to help build his kingdom in this world? You are a priest to the most high God through Jesus Christ. That is your calling. So serve him faithfully as priests were. But remember this also. Even though we are priests to God, we have a high priest. A high priest who represents us. A high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father, who is our perfect advocate for him, who leads us perfectly, who is our perfect example, who has shed his own blood so that we might be saved. And that is our Saviour, Jesus Christ. If you have him in your life this morning, you're making a great start to the year. You've already got a wonderful foundation. You've got everything you need to live a holy and fulfilled life, a life full of joy and love and grace. You have everything you need. Don't let the devil tell you that you don't. Don't focus on those things that you don't have, but glory and be satisfied with those things that you do. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you can enter into this new year with great hope and with great boldness for nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Do you want your life to be filled with the glory of God like the temple that Solomon built? Then allow your life to be a life of praise to him. Thank him throughout all of your life. Be thankful, be joyful with what you have and commit to serving him this year to serve your Lord and your Master with everything you have because he deserves every day of 2023. God bless you.